five four three two one zero and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello, everybody. I am recording from Santa Fe. Once again, this is actually the second interview today. I've got a whole line of people outside the front door just randomly that I'm, that I'm interviewing. <laughs> no, I'm actually here with um, photographer Nick Toro Jr. Yeah. Did I pronounce that Pretty one? close. Pretty close. Toro. Toro. Yeah, yeah there you go. And uh, we just went over that, and I told him I would, I would mess it up. But um, So we met, uh, we met online a while back, but we met in person a couple of months ago when I went to Albuquerque for right. Blurb and gave a talk at the school. Yeah. You showed up. I've seen your publications and your photography for a long time now. And anyone in Albuquerque, in my book, is, is a good guy. But, um, <laughs> but before we dive into the whole photography book, that kind of material, let's talk a little bit about you. Who are you, and where did you come from, and how did you end up in Albuquerque? Okay, well... Uh... As you said, Nick Toro Jr. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, um, and I was there until I was 26 years old. And uh, how I ended up in uh, Albuquerque is, um, I wish it was a more exciting story, except for uh, my, my, uh, my wife and I, my wife at the time, uh, previous wife, um, we were just kind of sick of the East Coast and the traffic and the bad weather and the expense and yep. the crowds and all of that. And we wanted, you know, we were young and untethered, so we figured, let's try somewhere else. And um, we had been to New Mexico on a vacation. We liked it, but um, it wasn't something that we felt like that's where we want to go. But I think in hindsight, you know, I was aware of New Mexico just from, uh, you know, from a photographic standpoint, from yeah. an art world standpoint. And there's this really strong sort of New York to New Mexico thing that I think is just, you know, been existent for a long time yeah. that we were just sort of tapping into. Uh, I, I think also I may have had sort of like some fantasy of maybe going for a, a master's degree at UNM. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like there was enough sort of you know, maybe little subconscious things that were percolating that uh, made it at least a place we wanted to try and check out. And we didn't have an agenda for how long that would be. Mm -hmm. Um, But how long has it been? You know, the land of entrapment here, (laughs) man, you know, um, that was uh, 1993. Oh my gosh. So now I did, I did leave for a couple of years and go back East, but you know, I mean, all, all told, yeah, it's been, it's, I mean, I, you know, I consider myself a New Mexican. That's now. impressive. Yeah, you can officially yeah. call yourself. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. yeah. My card hasn't arrived in the mail yet. But I, I mean, think about New Jersey, New York, New Mexico. I mean, you've got to find someplace. You can't go anywhere else. <laughs> I without, can't, yeah, totally. Yeah. Actually, yeah, because I think like New Jersey, I think New Mexico is right after New Jersey um, alphabetically. So, you know, it's still, you still run into people who don't know that New Mexico is actually a state. Yeah. And I know there's a website called like, hey, dumbass, New Mexico is an actual state. Yeah, 50 or whatever. My wife's grandmother was 102 when she died and never really understood (laughs) that we lived here because when she was young, it wasn't a state. Right. And so she just all along thought we lived in Mexico. So we just played along with (laughs) it. So she, that was it all the way until the end was like, I, you guys live in Mexico? Yep. We sure do. Well, I still like, I'll, I'll go to like, if I go back East for like family gatherings or whatever 
whatever. Like I'll get, you know, how are things out in Phoenix? Or <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You know what I love is when I'm in a hotel and I turn on the news and there's the national weather guy. And they, of course they have the Phoenix. New Mexico is just empty. There's, yeah. just, there's never a mention. There's no Albuquerque symbol. It's just a wasteland of like forgotten stuff, which is why it's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. A friend from New York was here today. I picked her up at the train station. And the first thing she said, she got in the car. She'd been here for literally about 12 hours. She goes, this place is really different. And yeah. I said, yeah, pretty much. It's, and I said, you've only seen like a fraction of a percent. I said, just wait till you get out in the countryside. You'll see stuff that kind of makes you shake your head. Yeah, and it's um, what I like about it is that, um, you know, obviously the there's a multicultural component. It's um, It hasn't been bastardized like so much of the rest of the country. I mean, it's really like, you know, it's not on the radar for a lot of people. Yeah. And so it hasn't necessarily been sort of like, you know, and preface this with knowing that it's been, you know, many different people coming through here throughout history. But I think just, you know, currently it's sort of like this quiet, you know, it doesn't have the hipster cachet that, you know, like some of the other like Austin or oh, yeah. even like Southern, you know, like the Southern California desert. You know, it's 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 still sort of under that radar. And so it's got, you know, and I think also like the poverty here keeps it sort of like, you you know, you really have to, uh, you know, work hard to exist here. Absolutely. I, and so, um, you know, it's not, it's not an easy sort of existence. And, and, but I think like with that comes uh, those of us who have figured out a way to do it. Um, it just makes you stronger. I, I have a friend who on, on his email uh, signature. It says, uh, small things grow tough in the desert. And I just, you know, that sticks with me because it's like, you know, you got to find wherever that water or is yep. deep down, you know, your roots have to really work hard to tap into it, but there's strength in that. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I think that that's something that those of us here who, you know, you know, share that. There's nothing worse than a hipster invasion. <laughs> so we were just talking about downtown LA, yeah. definitely hipsterville now. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the Portland's of the world, not that I don't love Portland and I mm -hmm. went to school in Austin, but Austin today does not resemble anything of what it did in the nineties yeah. when I went to school there. And again, you're, I'm living there in the nineties, not really understanding how great things are at that moment. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I go back now and it's like traffic and pollution and Californians and New Yorkers and they're piling in there saying, you know, Hey, we've discovered this place. And you're like, Oh man, you have yeah, no idea. Right. right. So one of the things that I loved about finding you online was another person finding, finding someone else who shoots reportage, long-term black and white documentary mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my next question is, like I said before, is one of my all time favorite questions, which is you, when you got into photography, first of all, what, what age were you when you started making pictures? Well, um, I, I was in a photo class in high school and, uh, just real short story about that. Um, my older sister was, had taken a couple of years of photography in the same school and uh, the photography department, it was sort of like an elective that you had to like sure. wait until you were like a junior to get in. And uh, I was a freshman and the photo teacher came into our sort of like uh, study hall period and said she had two spots available in a photo one class. And so I was like, oh, I want to check that out. I'm going to do my sister had done it. And uh, I convinced her to let me in as a freshman, which was really like, you know, unheard cool. of. Yeah. So uh, I was like the first person in my high school to have four years of, of photo class. Whoa, nice. And uh, but that was really like, I, you know, I always had like an Instamatic around or whatever when I was younger, but never really 
like I wasn't drawn to the craft of it. It was just sort of like you go down the shore and you take pictures, whatever. Uh, so being in the photo class, and so you know, I was a f- whatever thirteen. 14 yeah. years old in, in freshman year in high school. And um, what was really cool about it was, you know, obviously at that time it was darkroom work. And sure. so, you know, like it's a cliche, but the magic of seeing like a, you know, an image come up in a de- developer tray was just, you know, I mean, that's still magic to me. But, it is. It, you know, as, as you know, when I first saw that, it was, it was like, wow, I that railroad sign that I took a picture of just kind of like reappeared that you know is pretty amazing <laughs> no it is pretty interesting yeah. the first time first time you roll a uh, process a roll of film first time you put the neg in the carrier yeah. the prints come up the smell all that yeah stuff. all the chemical smells this stop bath <laughs> which you would think would be horrible but it's one of the one of the greatest things just smelling that fixer you know your the hair on your arm stands up yeah it's um and so, well, high school, you got an early jump on it. I mean, I, re- I can remember thinking back now of the, there was a kid in my high school who always had a camera with him, mm-hmm. and he was like the yearbook staff guy, mm-hmm. and he was, I don't think we had a paper, but I remember thinking, well, that looks kind of interesting. Of course, I never acted on it. I, right. I don't know what I was doing, screwing around. But the, the, I, my first camera, I don't know if I ever told this story, my first camera was a Vivitar point-and-shoot that I don't know, I don't think it was given to me specifically. It was given to somebody in the family, and I just took it. Mm-hmm. And I was really small, and I remember I was basically at, at ass level of all the adults. And so I was like, oh, I'll just do a project on that. And nice. so I, yeah. without telling anyone, I was just strangers, my family, the dog. I shot everybody's ass from, like, point-blank range. And it was very hipsterish, like, it was because <laughs> it was built-in strobe. So it was, like, popping a little flash, yeah. and it almost looked yeah. like Martin Parr way uh-huh. before I knew who Martin Parr was. <laughs> And I very casually would give the rolls of film to my mom, and she would take them to the one-hour photo without looking at them, get them processed, bring them home. I would take them. And then I took an old family photo album, and I got rid of all the family photos, and I slid all these pictures of people's butts in. And then I just very casually put it out on the coffee table at home. And it became (laughs) like a really big hit because when the adults saw it, they just laughed, you know, hysterically and were like – and I was like, hey, this camera's a really cool thing. But I didn't get serious about it. Well, that's interesting because, like, I I don't think I would have even – like had that much sort of ambition or confidence to even, you know, take that step. I mean, you know, that, and, and I think like, uh, you know, in this conversation, like there, there were definitely sort of moments along my development where, um, you know, just lack of confidence was such a huge barrier. So even, you know, like you're describing like the guy who, you know, was the yearbook photographer or whatever. Like I just never, you know, I didn't, ever see photography as sort of like a path to you know like you know to self, something else yeah or yeah like or or like i'm gonna make a name for myself but you know, like i'll have my pictures in the newspaper or yeah i'll be the guy who's at every event with the camera um so yeah it's it's uh it, that's always you know it's always been sort of a, a challenge i think uh creatively is is to um not only believe in yourself or believe in the work you're, you're you're creating enough, but like to put it out there. Sure. And and you're opening yourself up to criticism and judgment, and so I always felt that was like, you know, I mean, I've gotten better with it the older I've gotten, and now I'm kind of like, honestly, like, I don't really give a. Yeah, you, you know, know. We're, now you just—I mean, I could care less what anybody says. Right, about. but you know, like when you're a teenager, you're like, oh, oh yeah, you know, like I'm taking these pictures. And, and I was probably delusional putting that thing together in the first That's place. That's awesome, though. I wish I had and, balls and, to do that. And when photography came to me in college, uh, you know, I was studying something entirely different, 
and I happened to be at a school lost my incoming transcripts and they called my parents and said we lost his transcript he was accepted but we don't have any record of him so he needs to go somewhere else for a semester before he can come here so the only school left open was a two-year community college I didn't know anything about it so I went down there and I was carrying a camera around and there was a big flood and I had these my mom and I were coming back to our house and there was a bus getting uh, washed away it was full of kids and they were bringing in a military chopper in to try to lift it out of this river wow. And I'm standing there with a the camera, and I was like, you know, hey, maybe I should take some pictures. And I, and I did, and then I printed them, and I took them to school to show my friends. It was this freshman year of college. And I had them spread out on the table at lunch, and this instructor comes walking by, who I didn't know at the time, Jerry Townsend. And he looked over, and he said, who took these? And I thought I was in trouble, so I was like, they're not mine. Uh-huh. And, and, and he just stood there, and he wouldn't go away. And I finally said, okay, they're mine. And he said, I'll give you scholarship to be a photographer. And, I was, and that, was the only, that was the first moment that I thought – oh, there's another, there's something else out there besides yeah. my entertainment. Yeah, yeah. And it was sink or swim day one. It was, here's an assignment. And it was, which was great. So there was no time to think. It was like, you have an assignment, there's a hole in the paper tomorrow and it has to be done. Mm. And so it was like the pressure, which, you know, was interesting. One of the things that I, I'm always amazed about when people find photography is, you know, you could have chosen any type of photography, but what you've chosen to do is reportage, black and white, sort of long-term work, which is, in my opinion, the most labor-intensive and the least financially viable. And mm-hmm. yet it is still so addictive. What is it about that kind of work that for you is so alluring? Uh, well, you know, that's a good question. I, I think that, um, you know, because I don't rely on it professionally as a career or, or um, you know, as a, a money generating venture, yeah. um, that it, you know, I'm liberated to just basically pursue whatever do I what want. you want. But, um, you know, part of what I do in my daily life, and I said, I didn't want to talk about my day job, but, you know, is telling stories visually. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I think like my style of photography is, is definitely influenced by that. So, you know, not trying to, you know, necessarily pursue like, one perfect image yep. that will ultimately, you know, like be sit on, on you know, sit on the wall or, you know, be in a gallery. Um, but, you know, tell a story across a, you know, a, a number of photographs and, and weave a narrative solely with images and not, you know, I mean, I've, I've even thought about, well, what if I wrote along with the photos and I just can't get to, you know, I just can't get to that point because, um, what I'm, I'm attracted to with just doing it strictly photographically is that that still leaves the viewer, uh, you know, the, the headspace to try to figure out sort of sure. like what I'm trying to say or yeah. what they think I'm trying to say. And, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, it could be, you know, like you said, reportage or, you know, like if it's, um, I, I spent, I got a photo pass for the state fair one year. And oh yeah. So I went in to the rodeo and it wasn't even like, I didn't even know, you know, I said, oh, I can get in and watch the rodeo. And I thought I was going to sit in the front row. And then, I, you know, and then like, I was like, well, I'll just see where I end up. And so I went like back backstage into where like the dudes were getting ready and like all the the bulls were like you know i mean i'm a kid from new jersey right so this is like a whole barnyard animals so um but you know that project and it was really just like one night at the rodeo um became sort of like you know i was able to tell that story in a group of you know 12 15 photos um and stylistically kind of different than you know maybe what i would you know normally shoot uh, although, like, in hindsight, it kind of, you know, then 
you know, there's other projects that I've done that have been um, maybe over a longer span of time, but still sort of like focus on maybe one story or one idea. And then, um, you know, there's some things that just kind of, you know, I think the first the first thing that connected us was the New Mexico, New York uh, zine that I put together. Yep. And so that was really just like more the power of, of, you know, using the book format and editing some like, you know, yep, like sort of as a goal. At the yeah. End. Piecing things together and maybe telling a more abstract story of just maybe a sense of place was, uh, was, or sense of two places. Was that blurb or mad cloud? Um, that I think was MagCloud. Okay, I yeah. can't remember. I can see it in my head, but I can't remember exactly what yeah. it was. Yeah, and I bounced between the two. So, um, and not only exclusively between the two, but um, so that project then that was really sort of like a um, okay. Here's all this raw material. The the common denominator is me. Yeah. So it's all gonna look like my work. So it's not like I'm editing like you know collaboration with. 12 different uh, yeah. people. Um, so, but then, you know, and like something that was really interesting that you, you made a comment and when you wrote about it was that like, you know, if you look at what you look at the piece, you know, like not that I had an agenda, but like there, everything's there with intent. Yeah. You know, the pairings are intentional, even though I didn't shoot like, well, here's I've a, already got this, a camera gonna, yeah. and now here's this other thing. So that, sort of an exercise in like trying to make sense I think of even you know how I see the world so how did like what to go back to your question in a roundabout way um because like I said I think because I'm not looking at it from the standpoint of you know I mean I I trained in school like I learned how to use strobes and you know like I mean like I don't really ever want to do that kind of work you know (laughs) so uh and for a long time actually like photography was just sort of like on the sidelines for me, it never really went away. Yeah. So uh, I, it, it's only really been in the last five years where it's like I've really made a concerted effort to prioritize it. And again, this isn't so like now everybody knows who I am and you know they, they're going to hire me or buy my prints yeah. or whatever. But it's like this has been in part of my life for so long. Yeah. And I and I'm prioritizing it. Yeah, you you have to you refine it. You know, I think the more you learn and the more you do it, even if you do it and then you go away from it for a while, when yeah. you come back, you just come back as a smarter, more refined person that says, I can I know what I want now. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to stop you and go back to something you said very early on, which is, and I swear we're not talking about your day job, mm-hmm. but the fact is you have a day job. But I look at what you're doing now, and I look at the books and the publications that you're making and what you're doing, and in some weird way, it's kind of what most photographers want to do. Mm. But then you're always faced with that decision of, is this going to be what I do for my living or not? Right. And the, I interviewed Steve Reich earlier, and we were talking about that, and he remembers the day of, of, of saying, okay, this is no longer – I'm no longer going to shoot what I want. I'm going to become a commercial photographer. Mm-hmm. And there is a definite trade-off. So, for example – we're going to talk more about this later, but the book you just did beyond with your with the collaboration with a Spanish photographer, uh, or Portuguese, Portuguese uh, Fabio, yeah, Miguel Roque, the most amazing name in history, by the yeah, way, he's, Fabio. Yeah, he's Fabio. And so, awesome. when I saw that book, I was like, "This is what I have been harping on so many people mm. to do." Because one, it's a beautiful book; it's printed beautifully; it mm. looks great. great. But it's Thank also you. It's, it's printed and done. It's a limited quantity. You sell it out and you move on and you yeah. go do another project. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. But okay. I think the day job aspect of things in 2017 
is in some weird way the, the best way to be a photographer is mm-hmm. to not have to put your eggs in that basket yeah. because you will be compromised at a level that you cannot recover from. And I've seen it happen to a thousand of my friends recently, and it's and it's sad. So I'm actually glad you have a, a day job. Cool, cool. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about nuts and bolts of a good image. I kind of – there there are several things that I always – people ask me, like, what's a good image or whatever. There are three things that always jump out at for me. That's sort of what I prioritize when I'm looking for an image. But for you, when you go into the field, if you drive to whatever, let's say Gallup tomorrow and you're mm-hmm. going to go start making photos, what's the first thing that you're looking for when you go into the field? Is it light or is it a con- subject matter? What is it? Uh, it, it, it? It usually is subject matter, but in a sort of a broad sense. Um, I think a lot of my work is – you know, I approach something and I try to make sense of it. And a lot of the times it's, it's, you know, an object or an environment and it's got some sort of wrinkle of either peculiarity to it or oddity or just something, uh, maybe age, maybe, um, maybe it's something that's just kind of like cast away or, but it's usually, I, I respond more to, uh, that sort of like, that's what will draw me in. And so then I try to explore, you know, okay, I want to represent this thing. How best do I do it? And so, um, you know, and then the sort of the, you know, the photo, all the education and everything, whatever that just, (laughs) you're talking about baggage. Yeah. Or yeah. Right. Or, you know, composition or lighting or, you know, like, you know, there's been times when I pass things that, oh, that's really, that looks like an interesting scene, but, um, the time of day is horrible. Yeah. Like I bet the light in the morning is going to be better and then I'll drive that way the next day or, yeah. you know, so that all of those things are still sort of part of the, you know, the thought process, but it's usually like, you know, oh, that's, that's odd. Or that's like, what is that thing? And why is it sitting there? Um, or like, I might just be in an environment, you know, like it's, it's interesting because even, um, you know, for a long time, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't photograph people, um, I was just too afraid to approach people or, you know, I never even felt like, you know, I, you know, portraits, I'm not really a portrait photographer. Yeah. People are sort of in an environment. Am I a street photographer? Yeah, not really because like I, I feel like I have an aesthetic or an artistic sort of agenda Yeah. No, in pe- a very loose, loose way to describe that. But so like even when people show up in my photos, it's like, you know, like, well, how where do they fit in with these other things and not like you know i'm not doing like you know the The focal point is not the the human like the people of portugal like that you know don't do that i have photos you're right so there's fabio do that yeah well he won't either (laughs) he won't either but so um so in any event i think it is like it's 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 you know just in it like well why is that you know like why is that hat sitting there on that yellow bag and it's like, what is it about that hat? Well, it looks like it's a straw cowboy hat, but you know, like, you yeah. know, so then yeah. it's like, you know, start doing this sort of like mental sort of assessment. And then I want to just, you know, document that and, um, and not so much worry about like, well, you know, if I have a fill flash there, it'll be like, yeah, you don't know, use a fill flash. Yeah, I don't use any so of that shit. It's, so it's interesting. I'm asking you that because I, I came. I come from the other side when it comes to people. So the first assignment I ever had in my life was a bomb threat in a, in a building at the college. And then mm. I realized they probably sent me for a reason because if it blows up, you know, they're like, he's new. <laughs> he's expendable. You know, yeah, he's expendable. 
But the second assignment I had was a guy, a speaker, in front of about 300 people speaking. And I had to go right to the front in front of 300 people, even though they're not looking at me, really, or they weren't supposed to. They're supposed to be looking at him. And I was completely freaked out. And then I said to myself, I will never be freaked out again. And I'm never going to see these people again, ever. Mm. I'm going to make pictures. And so I immediately from that day on, I've always done people, people-based stuff. But if I was to drive to Gallup today, I would drive to Gallup. And the first thing I would do is look out the window right now and be like, the light sucks. Yeah. And so I can't work in this light. Yeah. Because um, I'm primarily a black and white photographer. If I was shooting color, I could find a way to swing it in this light sure. by going sort of Alex Webb on people because, you know, he shoots at high noon and his work is just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, I look for things like light and timing and composition. And I think the composition comes after you've practiced long enough to where your composition's your own and, yeah, mine's, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's interesting because for me, without people, you know, I'm kind of lost. And, mm. for, and so hearing you say, you know, I would look at that one object and then sort of do a, ge- a like work backwards geometry wise to figure out what it means and how it's there is a pretty interesting, yeah. it's a puzzle. I mean, we're all basically looking at this messy tapestry in front of us that we right. have to take little segments of and make sense of. And it's, it's freaking hard, man. It takes forever and there's no guarantee. And even half the time when you think you've done it right, there's no response and people are just like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like beating yourself in the head. Um, when talking about project ideas in general, I get this question all the time from people, which is how to, where do you come up with your story ideas? Mm-hmm. And I've always found that a really peculiar question because I have a list of stories a mile long. I've been keeping a list for years and years and years and coming up with project ideas is not difficult. It's mm-hmm. the time and the resources to go and actually do them, which sure. is impossible for me. Right. But how do you come up with ideas? Or if you were going to say to someone, think about this coming up with ideas, where, where does the inspiration come from? Uh, well, I think a lot of it is is environmental, like where I am at a particular time and then just trying to, you know, one of the one of the, the great things about photography is that it gives you a, a tool or a, a method to sort of explore, you know, I mean, just explore an area that you're in. And so then from that, uh, I think that, you know, whether it's something thematic that comes up out of it, or, uh, you know, something that is, uh, well, unique to that place. And, well, I'm curious about that. And, and then you could follow that. Or, you know, like one of the, you know, and I know we'll get to this a little bit later as well, but um, there's uh, um, the photo collective that I'm, I'm a member of, the Latent Image Collective. Okay. Um, the, we, two other members, one is Fabio, who, Fabio and I are very close. We communicate, you know, three, four times a week. Um, you know, we share each other with, you know, work in progress and, and, and so, um, he's a a colleague and a confidant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just just so happens that he lives in Portugal. And so, and he has a name Fabio, which I'm going to harp on forever because it is the coolest (laughs) name. So, um, uh, so, uh, uh, Fabio, uh, myself, and a photographer based in Italy, uh, Francesco DeMarco, um, we're collaborating. It's a, it's a work in progress right now, but we're f- focusing on a project that is going to be a book. Okay. And um, it is uh, the the water near where we live. So Great story. Um, so, so Fabio uh, lives on the uh, Atlantic coast in, okay. in Portugal. Uh, Francesco's on the, the Mediterranean. Yep. And uh, I have the Rio Grande. Oh, so, man, the Rio's fantastic. Yeah, and what's been amazing about that, so, like, we were looking, like, let's do a project together. We didn't have any idea what it was, and so we just were having a little Facebook sort of chat, and uh, it was like, well, you know, what, you know, what's interesting you know just like what's going on where you are and yeah. and so i don't know where we struck on like you know that like we were 
you know, they were, their relationship to water, you know, like I actually felt like, you know, well, I'm in the desert. And then like, oh, <laughs> duh, wait a second. There's like, yeah. you know, it's just the real river, Grand. right? Yeah. So, but what was really challenging for me was that like, I really, um, I, I was exploring somewhere where I never really, like, I mean, I've been here years, yeah. but I was never drawn to like, I want to document like life on the river or what it means. And it's so crucial to life here yeah. that it's like, why did I wait so long to even take that path? And it took like this project. And so um, I was so surprised of how fruitful the, the effort was for me personally sure. to just be like, oh, well, here's like this whole new environment that's literally 10 minutes from my house that I had, you know, is... I've never, you know, I've never explored photographically before. And the work that came out of it is so sort of different than what, you know, generally I produce. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like you would look at it and say, yeah, those are, those are still your photos, Nick. So, uh, but, you know, it was that collaboration with those guys that, you know, even pushed me to, you know, explore that. Um, I, to me, what... what uh it's a great story. It's really interesting. Just the history of the Rio Grande in general. And mm. there've been, it's not like there haven't been projects about the Rio Grande. There, mm -hmm. I just saw a black and white book the other day shot at the turn of the century. That was black and white Rio Grande from start, you know, basically the headwaters down. But what I love about that is it gives you parameters. And mm -hmm. suddenly, instead of looking at this wild tapestry of the world in front of you, you go, I have a purpose now. And yeah. I can see the borders of that. And the border is the Rio. And I have to follow and figure out what that means. But it, it's, it's basically eliminating a lot of other options and saying, I'm going to narrow down and do that one thing. Right. That's a smart, that's, that's how all great projects, I think, come yeah, together. Yeah, and, and like for that one, it was, you know, it's also now how are these images going to work with two other people who, you know, uh, we're not really sharing work in progress. It's going to be just do your thing and then we'll make sense of it. And, you know, the format of the book will sort of unify, you know, triptychs or whatever and and so and at the root of it is still water so yeah um and what, it's just how we're interpreting it what i'm curious about is who's going to get the cover <laughs> <laughs> well i'm laying the book out so oh, that's it. ultimate you, control you just answered my question yeah but we'll have everybody's name on the front so okay so i want to just talk quickly about it before we get to latent image and, and some of the other things you've done in the past and also books because i got a bunch of questions about books but what's the difference between a good photograph and a great photograph? Just in general, like if I'm looking at one or what, what, what? Yeah, just like to you, if you're looking at your own work and you boiled your entire life of photo, your photographic life down, like every other photographer, there's probably X number of images, probably very few images that you looked at and you think to yourself, that's probably the best image I've ever made. Or mm -hmm. those are the top four images I've ever made. What mm -hmm. makes those different from everything else? Well, you know, I, I think there's different sort of criteria for that. Like, you know, and, and it could be, you know, if it represents, like it encapsulates maybe, you know, a moment that you were in a situation and just sort of best represents, you know, maybe what I was feeling or like, you know, obviously my eyes are going to see everything. My ears are going to hear. I'm going to smell. But the photograph is just sort of like me you know, imposing a structure, visual structure on, on an environment or a situation, an event. Yep. And so I think that if I can look at a, that photograph and say that, like I got 
I got everything, everything in that. Um, but then there's, you know, I think, you know, you can look at something and just say, um, you know, I, you know, I nailed it compositionally or, you yeah. know, or, or even a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, picture, no, that's my, I was going to, the, the picture that he's pointing to a picture on the wall. That's a picture of my mom actually. Mm. Um, but there was a picture up there before because we rent this place all the time and I didn't really want to put nice, you know, images in here just in case the picture that was there forever just sucked. I shot it and it was just horrible, but it was <laughs> up there forever. So when you were pointing at that, I was like, Oh no, he's pointing at like the worst photo ever, but that's actually a picture okay. of mom. <laughs> but actually that's a, that's a good point. When I asked you that question, it was sort of a trick trick question and you alluded to it at the very beginning which was there's a different definition of great depending on the space that you're in mm-hmm. so the pictures of my brother and sister and I when we were little and I'm, I'm wearing overalls and a train conductor's hat that's a great photo because it's absurd and it's a family photo and we mm-hmm. just look at it and laugh our asses mm-hmm. off it's a Cartier-Bresson image is a great image for another reason Salgado, sure. Nactway, whoever um, and so that's it was kind of a trick question for me to ask you that but yeah. like to me, for me, yeah, you wanted me to say, well, it's got to be sharp and focused. Exactly, and, and that's letting you, letting you dig a hole. Yeah, like for me, the the with a thirty five millimeter still camera, there was always in the most of the great images to me had an had an element of a moment that was never going to happen again, mm-hmm, and the photographer sure. was like, got it, got it, got it, got it. It's right. a one frame thing, not right. a thirty twenty frame a second motor drive it's like when i i you know the arms race in the photo equipment world these days when i hear photographers like oh this new camera is 20 frames a second i'm like really yeah what 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 on earth would i do with all those pictures or like why would i want to edit that stuff yes exactly yeah and their idea of like the sniper guy or the sniper person out there waiting for the pieces on the chessboard in front of them to be exactly right and then you get it and it's never going to be there again sure that's a pretty alluring thing it's also incredibly rare and difficult well i think also you know i mean obviously we're we're close to the same age and so you know having a background in in having shot on film for so long and i still you know shoot with my film cameras from time to time is that you don't ever have that luxury and so like you know then you know even if it's not i'm going out and like make like make every frame count but you know like i just i I was just in new york and a you know a project actually is sort of emerging from that that week of shooting and um i shot with one camera one lens that's all i took with me um and i when i got back um i hadn't really you know, because I was working, I, I didn't really look at anything. I hadn't transferred to Lightroom. And so I was chatting with my wife and I was like, you know, like I should have brought a wider lens because I know like I missed a bunch of stuff and, you know, or that like, you know, I was just, you know, everything's changing all the time in New York. So it's like, you know, I was conscious conscious of the shots that I didn't get. Yeah. And so then once I jumped into Lightroom and started, like, you know, flagging things, whatever, um, I was like, whoa, like, there's stuff here, you know, that there's there's good stuff here. And, you know, whereas, you know, I was like, oh, I miss so much. Be- but really, like, I got so much. And so, and it wasn't, you know, like, the camera I was using is, like, an older Canon digital with a pancake lens on it. I just wanted to travel light. Yeah. And so, but, you know... I, st- I still was able to get, you know, good images yeah. from from being limited to to just that, and not and even though like you know I know well I passed that guy and if I had just added the twenty on my camera I just would have you know everything would have fallen in instead yeah. of just, you know it, like that stuff that went away because the, the the what I did get was was good was good yeah and and so um, 
Yeah, and so you know, like it, it, a lot of, I guess, in, in just sort of like going back to what what you were saying, like what makes a good image, you know, like it wasn't even, um, you know, there were a lot of bad images. We all, you know, we're gonna make bad yeah, I mean, images the, all the time. Yeah, the um, uh, the majority of what we do, the vast majority, the vast of what majority. We do. Yeah. yeah, so. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's a weird... Photography is a lot like baseball. You know, if you hit 300 in baseball, you're a superstar. Yeah. And in photography, if you hit 180, you know, you're, yeah. you're a superstar. Yeah. It's the 99% of what you do is just absolute garbage. And then all of a sudden, you're like... Even the stuff that's slow and that you're kind of posing... I shot portraits earlier of Steve, and I'm shooting pictures saying to myself, that's not good, that's mm -hmm. not good, that's mm -hmm. not good. But you're like, eventually, you know you're going to get to something sure. that's relatively decent. Right. And in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, I, ha I made a picture of him last night that's probably better than anything I'm going to do right now. <laughs> and so it's that weird chess game. The key for you, I think, is to buy the new 7 to 700 millimeter lens, and then you're, sure. and then you're yeah. covered. Yeah, I mean, come on, man, just fine, pony yeah. up for that. I know. Okay, so before we go too long on the interview, I want to talk about Latent Image Collective, which yeah. is a group. Did you help form that group? Yeah, I was. I, it was. What it, is it? I was. It was my little baby. Um, so really, really short. Not go into like the deep psychology behind it. Uh, you know, I, I photography was sort of like flowing in and out of my life, never really disappearing. Um, about five years ago, I had hit a rut creatively, professionally, I was maybe a, a bit of a midlife crisis, but I was, I was just questioning like what I was doing and what I was doing it for and who cared. Yeah. That's a midlife crisis. Yeah. So, um, so I, I did some personal work and, and, uh, really focused on like what I valued and, you know, photography was still right at the top of the list. Um, travel was very high on my list. Okay. And then, you know, connecting and sharing just, you know, ideas with people was high on my list. What was on the list that you thought would be high that wasn't? Um, making money. Okay. Yeah. I mean like surviving, you know, I mean, this was, this was, you know, like, this was everything. It was relationship. It was like what I did for a living. So it was, you know, prioritizing and, you know, like. That's heavy. That's yeah, a heavy conversation. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. And it, it was a lot of work uh, over a, a long amount of time. But eventually the two things that were at the top of the list were travel and photography. Okay. And so I started to think of like, well, how do you connect those two things? And I wasn't going to ditch my life and become a travel photographer. I wasn't. Good move. You know, move. so. um but what I did was I started realizing that, you know, I, I, through social media, through like, you know, following people on Tumblr, or it was actually before Instagram really was any part of my life. But um, there were people whose work, you know, I was just, you know, had an affinity for, or they followed me or whatever. Yeah. And they were in places, like, I started thinking like, well, you know, I'd love to go to Russia someday and shoot. Wouldn't it be cool to know somebody in yeah. Russia who, you know, the, you know, and so the other part of the equation though, was I live in a place that is like renowned for its light. Yeah. It's a unique culture. It's like people come, like they want to go on route 66 or yeah. want to do a breaking bad tour or want to like go explore <laughs> the Indian Pueblos or, yeah. you know, want to go to white sands or VLA or whatever. So like, I actually have something that I can offer to other photographers. Yeah. So it, I was looking for a way of exchanging, you know, creatively, but also geographically. And so create a little sort of like, you know, support group for yeah. these like far flung people. And so uh, the idea was that like, well, 
you know, without it being like someone running a collective, because it's actually, yeah. that's not, you know. That's, that's a real job. Right. Yeah. Um, but the idea was that we formed this group. I built the website on Squarespace. And, and so, like, you know, I invited people and I just sent, like, you know, emails. And I said, look, I've followed your work for a long time. Yeah. I think we have common ground. Is this something you'd be into? And it was just kind of a roll of the dice. Um you know, and originally there were 10 of us, two people were just not a good fit. After okay. a while, they were just, you know, they just weren't really into it anymore. But the core group really was like we bonded um, and it became an outlet. The website became an outlet for group projects and new yeah. work. But really the, the one of the core sort of ideas behind it is that at some point, let's meet face to face. And whether it's like I show up in... Portugal, which I did. Yeah, good And move. like, you know, f I meet Fabio and, and we wander around Lisbon for two days shooting. Um, or, you know, maybe you put up a show of the collective's work and wherever, you know, like, we have it's, one, you know, it's smart. It's, yeah. a, it's a really smart thing. You, you're like minded people. You have all this common ground. And like you said, it's a really smart thing of like, hey, looking around at your environment and saying, I have a lot to actually, I'm, I can bring a lot to the table here based on where I'm at. It's always exciting to me to see collectives like that pop up, and it's really happened a lot over the last few years. And you kind of have both sides where you have one, you have collectives who are trying to be like full-on professional, get work, pay dues, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And that is literally a grind. Yeah. And, and I'm happy that people are doing it because some great work is coming out. And it, and it it's almost like safety in numbers. You've got people in the collective. It gives you a little bit more cachet. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's nice to just say, look, let's do this. And on the web, with the direct access to people in the world, it's kind of what whatever you want to make it. And yeah. it's, it's a really cool thing to see. Yeah, and, and what's been great is that it's, you know, um, we've collaborated, um, you know, obviously Fabio and I have put, you know, uh, the book out together. Um, we've had, uh, we staged an exhibit group show in Albuquerque down at the Harwood Center. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we're showing work to our local community of people, you know, scattered all over the world. Yeah. Plus we're giving those photographers opportunity to show, um, you know, to get published. Um, it's, it's a mutual beneficial kind of situation. Um, but you know, I mean, at the core of it, I guess it was, there was a selfish, I don't want to say it was selfish, like, you know, opportunistic, but like I had a void, I guess, you know, yeah. creatively or emotionally that it was, it, it, that was pushing me to, to make those connections and it's reaped so many benefits. It's I think been... you, I think selfish is not a negative word in that space. I think, yeah. I think selfish yeah. is a word that, uh, I always say, tell people when it comes to photo wise, I am selfish. That's the way you have to be, I think, yeah. to, to get what you want. Yeah. Um, and I think if you ever want to go to, to uh, Russia, you just call Putin. He, yeah. loved, he loves photography. I hope you he's can't wear a listen, shirt, though. I hope he's going to listen to this. Yeah, you can't. Um, <laughs> it, Russia would be an amazing place to dive in. I, it, I think if you look at the scale and the range of what's over there, you could work yeah. there the rest of your life and never yeah. come close to cracking it. Yeah, totally. Um, so I want to move on here because there's a couple of things, important things I want to talk to. One or talk about. One of the things that was interesting in your bio was the Herzog Film School. Yeah. And what it, what, what was that? What happened? What was it? Well, um, you know, again, part of it, it all, this all happened around the same time. Again, it was like, um, you know, one of the things I really like pushed myself, put yourself out there into like out of your comfort zone yep. and try things that maybe I could think of probably five, 10 reasons why I shouldn't attempt it. <laughs> and in the past, that would have been enough to stop me. But this sort of new way of thinking I was really diving into was, 
put yourself out there and see what happens. So the Herzog thing basically came out of like, you know, I've been a fan of his, his work forever. Um, I'm not a filmmaker, but, um, you know, professionally, I, 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 I make TV commercials and web video. Uh, and uh, I do a lot of public service, public awareness campaigns for that. And so Herzog did, uh, he, he teamed up with, uh, I think it was AT&T, and he did a short film regarding uh, texting and driving. Oh, yeah, I remember driving, that. Right? Yeah, I like remember was, that. I think it was yeah. called From One Second to the Next. Yeah. And so a lot of the work that I do is driving safety uh, awareness uh, work. And so I was like, well, we're, 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 we're dealing with the same subject matter, and I'm a fan. And, and so, like, I don't know, I just randomly came across that he teaches this rogue film school yeah. um, every couple of years in a different location. You have to apply for it. Um, and I was like, that's really cool. Uh, just what a great opportunity to, to like spend time with a master, right? Yeah. A creative master. It doesn't matter if filmmaker or not. Yeah. And so, um, so they announced they were going to have one in L.A., and I put together a reel of my PSA work, and I included uh, some of my still photography, and I just threw it on a disc and wrote a proposal. And, you know, they got like, you know, a thousand, you know, submissions. Yeah. And they chose you. And I was one of like 30 students that was wow. chosen. And um, what was really cool was that he reviewed everything himself. So he made the decisions of who. And what was really interesting, like, you know, it wasn't just like independent filmmakers in the group. There was a guy who was like a, a physics professor who was trying to figure out like how to uh, describe like, you know, very high theory to, you know, a, a lay audience. And so, yeah. you know, so it was, it, it's really about storytelling and visual storytelling. And so it, I got, And that's way more interesting to me than a room full of 30 independent filmmakers. Oh, I'd absolutely. much rather be around like a weird physics guy. Yeah, it was yeah. a really, like, it was a really interesting. And one of the, one of the students, and I didn't know this until I got there, was uh, Stefan Sagmeister, the, oh, the yeah, designer. Oh, yeah, the designer. Yeah. yeah. No, Who's he, like he's working incredible. On, yeah, and he's wor he was, at the time, was working on a film which is now out about, the, the, I think it's called The Happy Movie, and it was about his pursuit of, you know, he, where he takes a year off. Yeah. You know, he does like every yeah. three years or whatever. Yeah, he takes, he takes he sabbatical. Shuts, shuts his studio yeah. down. Yeah, and this was specifically like dealing with his, like, he, he did meditation, he did... Uh, pharmaceuticals he did like all of these different paths to happiness and then he made a f film of it anyway so Sagmeister's and I'm like you gotta be kidding me like I'm in this thing and then so it's the re opening reception and Herzog walks in and I'm just like holy shit there yeah. like there My he is, right? Yeah. yeah, and so like he's like going around and he, he comes up to me and he sees my name tag he's like yes yes Nick Darrow yes um you clearly have a poetic vision for awareness of modern social problems, but I think that you're you're dancing around the issues. You must just go to the heart of it. And and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like <laughs> yeah. Herzog's not he only actually like knows who I am. Yeah, yeah like in like the first five minutes of this thing, and then so yeah, so it was a weekend in a conference room in Burbank or Glendale and Ooh, um, fancy. Glendale. Yeah, but it was, you know, I made some really tight bonds with fellow students. Um, and let, I, let me just say this. A lot of times when you have somebody that's a celebrity in their own right, like Herzog, they come into a class like that completely and utterly ill-prepared. Mm. They don't prepare, and they think to basically, in essence, what they, they're saying is, 
I'm amazing and you get to spend time with me. And mm-hmm. I've seen that go down and it drives me crazy. Mm. But to hear that he was like that is a really amazing thing because it is rare to, for somebody to prep that much and be that personally involved in it. Yeah, so. it was great. It was, a, I mean, I, I took so much away from that experience. And like I said, I mean, like I didn't go out and like, now I'm going to make a movie. Yeah. But um, it, it definitely inform, it informs, you know, like putting a book out. You know, like one of the things that he he was teaching us was like circumvent the gatekeepers, you know, like go out like if you don't have a permit for something, you know, he, he one at one point he was teaching us how to pick locks. So and then he told us how to forge documents. He was shooting like Fitzcarraldo and he was going down the river and he didn't have a permit. And like he went back to like the art department and they like created like this fake document from the El Presidente that got them, uh, you know, access to an area to, to shoot. And so like. That kind of, like, really, like, I took that to heart. Like, you know, I'm not waiting for, you know, uh, I'm not going to drop off my portfolio at a gallery that I'd like to show at. It's like, you know what? I'm going to put my work on my website. I'm going to blog about it. I'm going to, you know, like, self-publish, which is, like, this is just open this whole new world to me. You just made the amazing transition for me. Thank you for that. Yeah, there you go. The the money you could just leave uh, on I was going to say, if he only told you that one thing, that one line to circumvent the gatekeepers, over the last 10 years, it's been one of the, the biggest sticking points for me of looking, working with photographers and designers and illustrators, mm-hmm. so, but I'll stick with photographers in this, this comment, is watching them put their life in the hands of other people who are these gatekeepers who are working in a, in a model that has been broken for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going to give your work to them and let them control it and tell you how much it's worth. And it drives me insane. Yeah. Not everyone is built to be on their own. But most people are better off, I think, on their own circumventing those things. And and a friend of mine in publishing, now we're going to transition here into the whole publishing thing. I have a friend who's a really amazing guy who's in publishing at a very high level. And we had lunch in San Francisco about six months ago. And he said, photographers come to me because they think I can get him a book deal and Mm -hmm. a gallery show. And he said, in fact, I can, which so it's a good thing. Mm. But he said, what they don't realize is the gates of my kingdom fell down 10 years ago. And you're better off on your own. And he said, when you come to my gate, just walk around. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, if you went public, if being who you are, if you went public with that statement, it would cause some major ripples. But wow. I said, you're, ab- you know, it's true. Yeah. It's really true. Yeah. And so how long did the Herzog thing last? Uh, it was a long weekend. It was like four days. Oh, man. Yeah, and what did, when, did you come home and just like run around in circles? Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And like, you know, like we'd take, and I, you know, at the time I, I was a casual smoker. And so like we'd take our breaks and. You know, I was sitting under a tree with a couple of other students smoking a cigarette, and he came over, and he's like, bummed a cigarette off of me, and it was just like, you know, you're <laughs> you're smoking a cigarette with Werner Herzog. Yeah, with Herzog. Like, yeah. yeah, so I was, I was definitely, uh, I was energized, and it, it really, like, it informed my professional work, but it definitely informed my, my personal work um, in ways I didn't even, you know, expect, so. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was a great experience, really. So a couple of seconds ago, you made an amazing transition here into the whole publishing thing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about because I, when I met you, it was through the filter of sort of seeing the publications that mm-hmm. you were doing. And yeah. there's a lot of people who are throwing work around in the digital space, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference in taking the digital space to print because print forces you to, to basically put critical thought towards your work, yeah. choosing a cover, what's good, what's not, choosing a sequence. Right. And what is it about the book? What was the first book you made? And what did making books teach you um, immediately when you first started sitting down, putting it together? Well, the, the first book I, I made was, uh, 
it was called Sadad, which is, uh, it w- and it was a body of work that I produced. I, I, I had a, a month long residency in oh, that's Portugal, in, Portugal. in nice. Porto. And, um, and again, that was a result of just kind of throwing yourself out there and, and having had that connection with Fabio. So that was a place that I was kind of focusing on, but, um, that was, I, I went really in some ways just to take a break and, and like a creative sabbatical. And it was a month and that was a manageable amount of time to be away. Um, and you know, I, I was in a artist residency. There were four other creative people there. No one was a photographer or some, you know, one guy was a painter who just stayed in his room every day and just painted for 30 days. And so, you know, I was there and went out and shot every day. And, and for the first few days, I couldn't make any sense of anything. I was like, you know, maybe I should just sit in my room and read Moby Dick or something like, <laughs> you know, it was, but then it started to make sense. And, and I had a couple of days where I connected with Fabio up in Porto first. And that actually kind of like, I got comfortable navigating the city. Um, so at the end of the residency, they have an open studio night and basically kind of just kind of show what you've been up to for the, the month. And so I, spent a few nights in Lightroom and just kind of did a quick edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to what is like the Portuguese equivalent of Kinko's and I don't even know what they were called. And so I got like, you know, uh, 11 by 17, just cheap printouts of like all my sort of maybes. And I covered my entire studio, like wall to ceiling. Cool. It was really cool actually. And so, and, and what was great though, was that, uh, it's open to like the local arts community and it's, you know, it's, uh, they they were pretty well connected. So we had a good turnout, but it was all local artists and it was interesting to get their feedback of how I saw their environment, their their local place. And they're, you know, they were, you know, they were really, you know, encouraging and impressed that I, you know, um, sort of got something that they didn't really even see. So when I showed Fabio the roughs, he's like, you should put a book out. And he runs his own little, like, self-publishing imprint. It's called uh, The Unknown Books. And he does zines and short-run things. And it's all digital, you know, print-on-demand. Let me stop you right there. A photographer who has his own publishing arm, zines and self-published stuff, I don't know why everybody doesn't do that. Yeah. A lot of people find reasons not to do it. It is one of the most important, the most entertaining things you can possibly do. Yes. So he, he said, do a book. He's like, you should do a book. Will you do it? I'll put it out if, you know, you put this together. So I, I was, you know, it, it didn't occur to me that that would be sort of the, 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 the platform for that work. Uh, but right away, like it, it, it was um, really, you know, it was great to spend so much time with, you know, with the body of work, editing it down, going back and forth with him, getting it to what ended up being 80 final photographs. Um, I did the layout cause I have some, you know, some yeah. InDesign chops and, and so, and then sent him like, you know, high res PDFs and he, he had it printed. It's, you know, got his, you know, unknown books yeah, imprint, imprint on, it. on it. Uh, he sold it through his website. We split the quantity. I sold them all, uh, locally, uh, and we had 50 copies printed, um, printed you know, digitally in Portugal In well, his printer is in Spain, Spain I okay. think. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. um, you know, he sold and we did, we did a, a limited edition, 10 of the books where I just got eight by eight square prints made of yep. one image, signed yep. them, tipped them in, tipped them in, 
you know, added 15, 20 bucks to the, the price. Look, I wanted it just all to be reasonable. I, I, it was an exercise in the process for me. I didn't actually, you know, I was like, you know, I'd love it if I sell 50 bucks. Um, I know that, you know, I didn't want to have a garage full of like, you know, 2,000, 5,000 hardcover books that I just dropped 20 or however many thousands of dollars on. Yeah. That, you know, I, I mean, I... Look, I'm, I'm just going to say, it's what you did and what you're continuing to do with the latest book, which is kind of, kind of similar. It, it's incredibly smart because basically, you know, there's always been a stigma about self-publishing, especially with, with the photography mm -hmm. world. And the, the ideally, you know, his, historically, people would say, well, if you're self-publishing, it's because you're a loser and you can't get a publishing deal. Right. And so the majority of deals that I see happening today are people giving 20 to 30 to 40 grand upfront to get a book with a publisher. Mm -hmm. In essence, they're just paying the publisher to do their book. And that, for some weird reason, is not considered self-publishing. That, right. that is, if you are paying $20,000 to a publisher to do your book, you are self-publishing. Mm -hmm. They're taking your money and they're doing the book, but make no, no mistake about it. You are self-publishing. But what I love is that Fabio is one guy mm -hmm. who has his own imprint. Yep. And you can do a book with one guy. And I look at like what um, Alex Soth is doing at Little Brown Mushroom. Right. And people always are asking about publishing, and we're talking about a big publishers. And I'm like... Some of the most interesting stuff being done is by a guy in a garage in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, that's him. It's like him and an intern yep. or a couple people, and they're putting out some of the most original, unique stuff. Right. You don't need to go to a big publisher. And and in fact, you're selling and making and selling 50 books is a lot of books, believe mm -hmm. it or not, because yeah. a lot of photography books that go through publishers do not sell. They do not. And historically, photo books have never sold well to begin with. So it, everything about what you were doing to me is screams that is the way that it should be being done for most people because mm -hmm. then you've done your 50 copies, you sell your 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 batch, Fabio sells his, and you move on and you go yeah. do another project and you don't have the 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 palette of books in your garage that yeah, you're basically right. married to for the next two years. Right, and and so um, yeah, and and what I've been uh, you know obviously at this point it's still you know I, I was like well if I break even. That's great. You know, you make a little money on it. That's better. Um, whatever I took in for that, I roll. Uh, that's like it will be used for something else photographically related. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, if it's, you know, the, you know, the, the Mad Cloud or the Blurb zine. Yeah. That. Yeah. You better make Mad Cloud. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I'm not putting this interview up. Yeah. No, it's the, well, there's, I'm waiting for two proofs to come in. So, but, but here's the thing. The other thing is a lot of people come into publishing with this weird delusion that they're going to make all this money. Yeah. And the, the odds of making money back enough of, to really of any, any regard doing an illustrated book, it's, it's rare. It happens. I mean, mm -hmm. I was at Palm Springs a couple of weeks ago and I forget his name. He's an editorial guy of New York who was fantastic. His last book sold a million copies. Okay. And it was a beautiful book. That is the very, very, very outlier rare scenario for most other people. I think you're better off, even if you didn't make any money, even if you lost a little bit of money on that publishing process, the fact that you can move on with your life and if there is a little money that you put right back into doing the next right. project, ultimately that to me leads to far more than the traditional, the classic route. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it also, like, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I grew up at a time where like there was the DIY aesthetic, you know, the punk rock movement, whatever you want to call it, was really like, you know, well, no one's going to put out our records. We'll put it out ourselves. You know, no yeah. one's going to write about us. We'll put zines out ourselves. So that sort of spirit was always attractive to me anyway, but like the idea of like, well, um, 
you know, do it. And if you get interest and, you know, it could lead to something else. I mean, it's like the White Stripes used to record and put out their own records. And now Jack White, like, owns half of Nashville. So, yeah. you know, like, if you think about – and then that's, you know, he didn't get – you know, he got a little lucky. But he's a talented, scrappy guy, you yeah. know. So, like – but he wasn't waiting for like you know uh, you know Columbia Records to come to his garage and or like he didn't you know pay to play or whatever yeah you know and he made you know this is one example but um, you know so from my standpoint you know it's already reaped I mean we're sitting here talking right yeah, now yeah you know it's like yeah I have that a copy sprung of your, out of that your you last the, the book you just did Beyond was there twenty eight copies uh, twenty four copies twenty four copies and I'm like I have I have one of twenty four yeah. that's of this book and yeah. I and when I got that book and I and I saw it online I was like this is exactly what I've been telling people forever this is the the modern form of photographic publishing that is the most interesting and most exciting to me yeah. and to know that I've got one of twenty four yeah is a really cool thing yeah it's and cool. also to know that you know what you're not dr- traveling around Albuquerque with books in your car trying to get people to sell them, you're right. going out and doing your Rio Grande project. There's like something new on the horizon. Yeah, that, yeah. That's cool. Because to me, as a photographer, your job's to make work. That's it. Right. And the book is an integral part of that, but you don't want the, the scale to be 90% on that. Yeah. And also like, you know, it, what, what's been great is that it really, it, for me, it's, it's such a great format to, because, you know, everything's digital. It's easy to swipe through stuff and then be done with it. Um, you know, even if you're like doing a photo essay on a website, it's like, you know, you click through it. Yeah. You're, you're gone. Right. So, um, you know, having come from the world of like, you know, printing in a dark room, yeah. you know, putting a portfolio together, hanging a show. I mean, there's still the tangible aspect there's of it. There's a permanence it. to it. Um, but it's also, it's been really like motivating to sort of look at it from, you know, I'm not chasing like the one perfect image. Uh, it's really about like how these work as a whole, you know, object, the book as the object. And, you know, it's, well, that photograph, maybe if it was by itself, I wouldn't have even thought about it but put it next to this on a spread and it's like oh what's going like there's red thing here and then there's red you know it's like oh what's you know and then you know I'm learning more even about how my own mind works and then to be able to share that with somebody and then they you know, in their own way, respond positively to it or they get it, yeah, you know, be- it's really, really wonderful experience. Because to me, you have, you have book people, right? And yeah. you have photo book people. Mm-hmm. And even within the prof- professional photography industry, you have editors and agents who are book people and you have others who aren't. And the others who are, you know, finding clients on Instagram where it's that sort of short attention span, right. you know, they're telling, you go to a, you go to an event and the, an agent says, well, everybody in this room has to be on Instagram. And you're like, oh, it's because you just want to look one place to find people. You know, mm-hmm. they want, they're looking for scalable people. Mm-hmm. But then when I look at someone's work in book form, you start to have a far better understanding of who they are as a person, not just the photographs. And, and to me, it's that edit in the sequence of like, and I'll, I'll tell just a quick story here. Um, we just passed the hour mark, which oh. is Im- which is impressive. Wow. Um, we did Blurb did a project about I don't know five or six years ago. We hired a guy named um, a, a photographer Robert Leslie, who's a British slash Canadian photographer, really funny, fun guy, and he did a project. And Blurb commissioned him five years later to do the same project over again. And then we put a book together, mm. and we hired a guy named Chris Boot, who's a publisher and an editor. Um, I think he's still he's at Aperture Foundation right now, but he has he's has his own publishing uh, business as well. And Chris was hired to do the edit. And when Robert finished the project, um, Chris did the edit. And then Robert looked at it, tweaked it or whatever, and then sent it to me and said, here's the edit. And there were 50 pictures. 
and 49 of them were unbelievable. Like the pairings, I was like, holy cow. This is, and when people, you know, kind of poo poo what editing is, I'm like, you have no idea how good these people are. Yeah. So the first thing that jumped out at me was Chris Boot is a genius because this edit is so far beyond anything that I would have been able to put together and mm-hmm. more than what Robert would have been able to put together. But there was one picture that I said, this doesn't make sense at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there trying to say, trying to figure out politely how to say this. And Robert says, what do you think? And I said, you know what, man, there's 49 of these pictures that are like unbelievable. But there's one I just do not get. And he said, which one? And I told him, and there's a long pause. And Robert goes, that's the one I put in. <laughs> and, I, and I said, take it out, man. I mean, you basically ruined the entire thing. So it was that clear and that dramatic to me. And yeah. it was such an eye-opener, even having been in photography all this time, to see what Chris did, mm. to see someone who can look at, at a body of work that's not his and see through it like that. I yeah. was so impressed. Yeah. I've always been – that's stuck in my head. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, – So the, the last book skill. that you did with Fabio was called Beyond, right. which is uh, Alem in uh, Portu- Alem, yeah. Alem Portuguese. And it's a book that you look through from it, from your work, you look in one direction, and mm-hmm. then you spin the book around, and mm-hmm. you look at his work from the other direction, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And so who, how, what was the, the design of that, and the, how long did that project take from start, from the idea of the principal photography to the time you had the books in your hand? Well, you know, the, the impetus for that project was Fabio, uh, after the, the fir- my solo book, Sadad said, you know, why don't we try doing something together? And he thought maybe it was a, a zine, you know, like yeah. a, just a, 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 you know, a quicker... Some lo-fi. T- yeah, lo-fi yeah. kind of project. And, you know, that, you know, that would have been fine. So, but we were, j- again, it was just conversation about, like, um, what could be something that we could explore. And the idea actually was more of the, what the, 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 the constraints that we put on the project before the subject really emerged yeah. was that, you know, uh, we were like, well, we're in two different places. What if we shot at the same time? Uh, well, what if we shot one day? What if we shot 24 hours start to finish? Uh, and so it was like, okay, well, what can you do in 20... 20- well, I, like, I'm hours from anywhere in Albuquerque, so I could go on a 24-hour road trip. Where will that lead me? Yeah. And so he said, I can do the same thing. And then we looked at the geography, and I said, well, I'm in the desert. And he said, you know, as soon as you go inland from Lisbon, it's like desert plains. And it's... Uh, yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, so we said, okay, so now we have similar environment, and we've got the time constraints, and what we'll do is um, we'll... we'll edit each other's work and we'll pick 24 pictures and originally it was going to be like one from every hour but you know it's a little tricky that was tricky but we ended up with 24 images each Uh, we had uh, you know 24 hours to shoot Uh, 24 copies 24 copies of the book so smart so yeah so that's where that came from and uh, but what was really striking was the similarity you know like um, when I edited his work and I started seeing like, oh, you know, there's horses that we would, you know, like there were things that started to yeah. emerge um, and not really knowing what he was going to choose of my work. And we, it was, you know, a, a real true collaboration to like trust somebody to, oh, yeah. you know, to pick the yeah, images. Yeah. And then, um, and then. Uh, was it 24 bucks to buy it? It was, yeah, it was 20. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. was like, that has to be the yeah, final, that was, the that final was, twist. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Everything was 24. So, um, yeah. That's so, so, it's so smart, man. It's it a was great, great. Yeah, it was great. And, what you know, it was, um, um, again, it was like just this, you know, it all sprung and like looking for people, like-minded people yep. to 
help each other. And, you know, it, I'm really like, I'm lucky, like Fabio's got an outlet to put this stuff out, but yeah. you know, I hustle, you know, I, I hustle on my end. I sold my books, you know, like 12 books, yeah. actually 11 because I'm going to keep one. Um, so, you eBay. know, eBay it. From yeah. Right. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> under so. a pseudonym. Yeah. Like, oh, there's only one left. Yeah. It's this, is, yeah this guy's amazing. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great, it was a great experience. What's next for you? The Rio project? The Rio project is, is in, like, all that work is shot, and I'm actually just waiting for Francesco to submit his final body of work. Uh, and um, my week in New York, I just, you know, yesterday put together a 48-pager that's, uh-huh. I, I PDF'd it up to MagCloud. Yeah, which and, format? Uh, it's a it's a eight inch square magazine. Oh, eight uh, by eight. Eight okay. by eight, yeah, yeah. saddle stitch. Um, I wanted, I was thinking maybe uh, uh, perfect binding it, but like the spread, it's all about spreads and I okay. really just wanted to. Flat. Yeah. And, and, but it's, again, it's like what the great thing about the self-publishing and the, the you know, the print on demand is that I can have like, I can go and shoot a week. I can edit really quickly. I could drop it into a format, upload it. And, you know, if that comes in and I'm like, you know, it really isn't happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fifteen twenty dollar investment. Yeah, and I move on. Yeah, if it is something that I'm like, whoa, this is something here, I could, you know, I could post it and just sell it and let people just go and buy it right yeah. through there, and I don't yeah. have to, you know, I don't have to drop a hundred bucks to have a stack of them. But I may, yeah. you know, and you just, can customize them if you, yeah, if you, or you spend a hundred bucks yeah. buy a stack, you can sign them and right. number them. Me, and, my local three or four people who I know are probably going to buy one no matter what. Um, the thrill though, is like when those, you know, those little sale ticks come in and they're like, I don't know this person at all. That is a very cool you know? feeling. But, yeah. um, so there's a New York thing that's going to All right. Happen. So we got Rio, we got New York. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we'll see what happens next. I don't know. Uh, the, we're going to have a show. The, the Latent Image Collective is going to have a show in downtown Albuquerque as part of Photo Summer. Okay. Um, and you know, the, that info will be on my website. It'll be it, the month of August. Okay. Hopefully uh, I'll be back for that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be cool for you to come down. I'll and Banksy that I'll come in and I'll secretly put my own work up you, at night. We'll leave a blank yeah. space on the wall for yeah. you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, I literally have to go. Okay. Yeah, we talked a long time. We yeah. talked a long time. This is good, though. I'm an I think Italian from New Jersey. We, hey, tend to, you know, we tend to, you I know. I figured we'd go an hour. All right. You know, but I want to appreciate you coming up here and yeah, taking the time to you. do this. Thank it's you. Been, for, you've been a great, uh, not only support for what I'm doing, but uh, I am inspired by the things that you share, and uh, I get a lot of just encouragement cool. uh, out of seeing your world. So thank you. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks. I appreciate it, and I'm, uh, I'm glad we met, and yeah. I'm glad we finally sat down and did this. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.